0: This Pride, everyone's coming through for the Trevor Project on YouTube Shorts. Join us! Create a short showing how you're stepping up for Pride using the hashtag YouTube Pride Challenge. Come through for Pride on YouTube Shorts. Visit YouTube.com backslash Pride.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, worldwide on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Good News Radio Network and radio stations around the world, as well as satellite programming providers. Toll-free worldwide is 800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, exxon radio TV. And if you'd like to listen to the Exxon 724-365, you can just go to our main website at www.exzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Kim Baker. And uh, Kim is an animal communicator, internationally published author, speaker, certified Reiki master teacher, and equine craniosacral therapist, horseback riding instructor, internationally recognized natural horse trainer clinician, and spiritual horse retreat facilitator. And um, joining me now to talk about animals talk, and Kim says we need to listen. So Kim, welcome to the X-Zone.
3: Thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it.
2: I understand that you're classified as a real-life Dr. Doolittle.
3: That's right. I talk to the animals and they talk back to me.
2: Do animals talk back to everyone or and is it just a matter that we haven't caught on how to listen to them yet?
3: They do. They're communicating with us all the time through images, body language, and you're right. Uh, if you're open and observant, then you can you can get their messages.
2: Kim, what was your first uh, your first? encounter with listening to animals.
3: I was two years old and there was a bird that had nested in one of our blue spruce trees that was in our yard. And a neighborhood boy had come over and taken his slingshot and shot the bird out of the tree and Aww. the bird died right away, unfortunately. Yes, it was it was terrible. I witnessed it all. The boy laughed and like ran off and thought it was pretty funny and well, he didn't, I don't know if you realized it or not, it didn't matter, but there were chicks in the nest. And I'm not sure what happened to the other bird. I'm, this was the mother bird, so I don't know what happened to the father bird. But the father bird nev- never showed up, so I don't know if he'd gotten the father bird, too, or something else, you know, had gotten to the father bird. And I tried to save the chicks, but uh, they, it just wasn't possible. So by going through that, seeing it, like it sparked so many emotions... You know, anger and sadness and, and you know, the, the poor chicks were, I mean, they, you know, they starved to death. So, it, at that point, it was like, okay, you know, I have this gift and I can listen to them and I can talk to them and I want to be their voice because not everybody can truly understand them.
2: In your opinion, what is the hardest animal to listen to anything that uh, uh, Dr. Doolittle might say? Who's the stubbornest? <laughs>
3: You know who's a Southernist? Uh, it really is going to depend on the individual animal. Mm-hmm. they all have individual personalities so just like people do. Right. It's not that one species is more difficult than the other or mm-hmm. anything like that. Some people might think cats are, are more difficult but they're not. It's really the individual personality. They, some of them are really funny.
4: Uh-huh. you know
3: I'll connect with them and, and the way they, the way they're talking to me mm-hmm. they have a good sense of humor. Others are in a lot of pain, and I can just really feel their pain, and and that's hard. So, you know, I work really hard to try to figure out, well, why is it they're in pain? What can we do to, you know, get them out of pain? And and so I wouldn't really say that some of them you can tell that they are stubborn. Like, if if they and their person are having a behavioral issue in the house, you know, they might be stubborn or reluctant to let that go, and so we try to work on a compromise. Uh, but I wouldn't say that any one particular you know species of animal is is more stubborn than, than another
2: so would you say kim it's a matter of give and take
3: absolutely and and i mean I've helped so many people mm-hmm. solve medical issues um, behavioral problems right things like that and and it does it comes down to the compromise and oftentimes what happens is the human is the one that doesn't
2: you know, hold up their end of the bargain. Ah, the good old human factor that has a tendency <laughs> of screwing up a lot of things. <laughs>
3: yes, we're, we are yeah. human after all, right? <laughs> That's
2: right. Kim, you and I have to take a commercial break, dear. Please stand by. Exonation, Nation, our guest this hour, is Kim Baker. And we're talking about communicating with animals. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Kim... Her website is KimBakerAnimalCommunicator.com. That's www.KimBakerAnimalCommunicator.com. And Kim and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're nice and warm and snugly at home. I was just telling Kim that uh, starting to snow here in Hamilton, Ontario. Blame my wife. She wanted to go Christmas shopping, not me. Kim Baker's my guest, and uh, Kim is a guide on how to quick... It's a quick how to guide for learning to talk to animals. Quick how to guide for learning to talk with animals her website is kim baker animal kim and, and i'd like to ask you what the difference between an animal communicator is and a pet psychic
3: absolutely so with a pet psychic it's a one-way communication mm-hmm. so their information is just dropped into them with a communicator it's a two-way conversation like you and i are having now you are asking me questions i'm giving you answers so that's the difference
2: when you're talking to these, these animals and, and they're talking back, would, do you consider this a form of mental telepathy?
3: Yes, it is a form of mental telepathy, absolutely. It's, uh, the information comes in six different ways. So mm-hmm. basically your senses. So um, images in your mind's eye, a voice in your head, uh, smell, taste body sensations, and then the sixth one is what I like to call the download, so that's the psychic piece of information comes to you, you just know it to be absolutely true.
2: Fascinating. What was it, what's it like, you know, I, I can only imagine what it would be like talking to an animal, and, and yet, weren't the animals talking at the time of Christ's birth, going to the manger?
3: Hmm, I think they were. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you look at native cultures mm-hmm. throughout the world, they've always had a strong connection, you know, with animals. And so I, you know, whether they're communicating in the same way that I am, I would assume that they are. Yeah. It, they they understand because they're more connected with their environment, so they're more open. I mean, this is, this is a natural ability. Just like everybody can sing. Yes. Some people are just way more talented than others, but everybody can sing. So it is, it's the intuitive telepathy way of doing it. The more you do it, the better you become. So it's a muscle. So the more you practice, the better you become. And to some, it just comes a lot easier, you know, like back to the singers, you know, some of them, they just happen to have that beautiful voice in it. You know, they still practice a lot, but it's just naturally gifted to them that their voice sounds better than
2: the rest of us. <laughs> I, I must confess with you, Kim, that I am an animal lover. I love animals. I've done a lot of work with the SBCA. Um, oh, my, wonderful. my wife and I rescue animals. In fact, we have three little girls, or three dogs. Our Maddie is nine, Nikita is three, and the baby, Lola, is two. And I know just as well as you do that animals... Unconditionally love. Yes, it is such a, an honest, warm, fuzzy love, and, and I don't know about other people who who have little girls. That's what we call them. We don't call them pets. We don't call them girl. Uh, you know, dogs. There are little girls, and when they look at you, they talk through their eyes. And I'm just wondering now, talking to you, that when I'm looking in their eyes, am I subconsciously communicating with them?
3: yes, so what's what's going on is um you're right they and that's what's awesome about animals is their unconditional love, no matter doesn't they don't care about your hair, they don't care about what you're wearing, mm-hmm. what kind of mood you're in, they love you no matter what, and not many humans do that, so it's that's what I love about animals, and animals can sense, and there's there's a exercise that i have in in the book that explains is called expanded awareness and basically you're using the 98 percent of your brain and it's the same as going into alpha waves. so like mm-hmm. if you really listen to music or you play in a musical instrument uh, you'll go into the alpha brainwaves it, it, it's the same thing whereas most of us operate in the two percent which is the database brain which is the i've got 50 million things to do and 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 I'm so absorbed internally, you know, with the monkey brain going, I'm not I'm not aware of my surroundings. And the animals are in that expanded awareness 24-7. So they're constantly assessing their environment. A great example are prey animals. We've all seen where the zebras are, you know, 10 feet from the sleeping lions, and you're thinking, duh, zebras, um, hello, lions eat you. But the zebras realize that the lions are on nap time. They're not thinking about their stomachs. So they're like, okay, I'm safe. But I guarantee you, the minute that one of those lionesses gets up and is like, hmm, licking their chops, I'm hungry, that herd of zebras and wildebeest will be gone. So they can sense, you know, your emotions. Mm -hmm. They know when you're sad, right? Everybody's, you know, heard the story or experienced it personally, where it's like, you just, you don't feel good, something's happened, you had a bad day at work, you know, and your dog comes over, your cat comes over to you and just is like, You know, looking at you and and you feel the love and and stuff, that's, you know, that's what they're picking up on. Also, your intention. So, if you say, for example, you know, oh, no, don't do that. They're probably going to look at you or just ignore you. (laughs) You keep doing what they're doing. (laughs) But if your intention is stop doing that right this minute, and you can even tell on my tone of voice, I got very strict and very firm. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of my intention was stop doing what you're doing right now and my tone of voice changed, my body language changes too. And they're reading all of that.
2: Have you been able to talk to all sorts of animals, all types, all, for example, uh, from the household kitten to the barnyard horse to the wild uh, mountain lion?
3: Yes, yes, I have. Um, I've spoken with snakes, ducks, goats, horses, alpacas, Mm. wild animals. Um, Now, I do have some ethics involved in in my work, so it's not like I wander around talking to anybody's pet and getting their secrets. Um, It it doesn't work that way. Um, I have to have permission from the pet's person to speak with their pet. I have had pets come up to me and say, Can you help me? And so then I have to assess, you know, okay, is your person open to this conversation, or are they going to look at me like I'm crazy? So I have had that with wild animals. None of that exists. You can just go up, strike a conversation, and away you go. So I mean, I've talked to many birds. Um, haven't had a conversation with a mountain lion yet, but mm-hmm. um, that would be that would be cool. That would be one on my list. Uh, what do you think? Lots of, you know, wild rabbits, domesticated rabbits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, you can speak with any animal.
2: You must hear some horror stories.
3: <laughs> People think that, right? It's like, yeah. oh, the, you know, the pet is like divulging my, my secrets. And, and it's, not, it's not like that. It's more of oftentimes the animal is really grateful to finally be heard because usually I'm the last resort. So they've tried everything, right? They, they've tried training. They've tried their veterinarian. They've, they've tried this product mm. and that product, and nothing is working. So they're like, well, I have nothing to lose. Let's try this animal communicator. So they call me up, and then by going directly to the animal, I, I give them you know straight answers, and, and we start to get results, and then we work through that compromise that we were talking about before. It's like, okay, so um, poor potty behaviors, for example, um, are a big one and we'll come up with, okay, so why is it that you're going in the house or outside your litter box or or whatever the case may be, and then for each individual animal, they Mm -hmm. have an individual response as to what's going on. Go back to the human and say, well, this is why. What can we do to make the animal feel more comfortable? Oftentimes, it's they're new. It's in a transition. They've just recently been adopted, or... They've been introduced into a home with lots of other pets, and some of the other pets are intimidating them. Um, all different kinds of things. So we start to, it's like playing detectives. Okay, you know, give me more information. Let's drill down deeper, deeper, get to the root cause, and what kind of solutions can we come up with that work for both the human and the pet?
2: Is there any difference between what you do and what a horse whisperer would do?
3: That's a great question. Uh, so with the horse whispering, you know, I think, I believe, mm-hmm. some of the great horse trainers like Ray Hunt, Buck Brannerman, Tom Dorrance, all along those lines, They, I don't think that they would readily admit that they're an animal communicator, but absolutely are they connecting with that horse on a different level than your average person. Um, um, obviously, I work with horses. I. Yeah teach riding lessons, and facilitate retreats. I have two of my own horses. And so, and when I'm training horses, and in fact, I was working with a horse today that was um, scared of the trailer um, to go into the, the horse trailer. Oh, yeah. And so I worked with him, and what he would do is he would go all the way in the trailer, and then he would mm-hmm. immediately spin around and want to run out. And it's like, whoa, you know, wait a minute. what, what What's going on here? And he'd had some previous experiences that weren't so comfortable. That made him afraid. Mm-hmm. So I worked with him, you know, body language wise, and then, you know, talking with him and saying, okay, can you just do half your body in the trailer? So we did that for a little bit. Then it's like, okay, can you come in all the way and not run me over and try to run out, you know? <laughs> and, and it's like, just, just, just pause, just right. hold on. And I helped uh-huh. him on how to calm down and relax. And eventually I got him where mm-hmm. he would stand in there calmly without trying to rush out for probably about 20 seconds. Wow. Now that's not a long time, but considering where we started, that was quite a feat for him today. And then we're, we're going to progress on that. So next time mm-hmm. we work together, you know, we'll see if I can get that to 30 seconds, maybe 40 seconds. And uh-huh. we just build in baby steps.
2: Oh, one step and at a time
3: one step at a time. I find that Mm -hmm. we it's such an instant gratification. I want it now. I want the horse to be perfect. I want my dog to be perfect. I got my dog two weeks ago. Why aren't they, you know, integrated into the home? Animals don't work Mm -hmm. that way. It takes time and and if anything they teach us amazing patience. And I get it, you know, I mean when I want something I want it now. So I understand. But Animals aren't that way and, and so we have to we have to learn to give them mm-hmm. the time on average it takes a minimum of six weeks and sometimes up to six months for an animal to be comfortable in a new environment
2: Kim stand by you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour exonation our special guest this hour is Kim Baker and if you'd like to find out more about Kim her website is www All right, you've got your pens and pencils ready? You don't? Kim, give the audience your your website.
3: It's KimBakerAnimalCommunicator.com.
2: There you go. You heard it right from the horse's mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to use that one. I really did (laughs) Kim Baker and I will return on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back everyone. Kim Baker is my very special guest this hour. We're talking about talking to the animals. Kim is a real life Dr. Doolittle. Her website is www.kimbakeranimalcommunicator.com.
0: Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply to opt out.
2: How to Guide for Learning to Talk with Animals. Once again, her website is www.KimBakerAnimalCommunicator.com Kim, when you're talking to the animals, is there one animal that you have found to be academically smarter than another?
3: (laughs) No, they're all really smart, actually. I, you know, there's Surprisingly, pigs are really smart, Mm -hmm. and crows, all the blackbirds, are extremely intelligent as well. But for the most part, they're, I think, just based on how they are, they're a lot smarter than humans. All animals are.
2: Let me ask you this. Although
3: sometimes you do wonder.
2: (laughs) Yeah, very much so sometimes. But let me ask you this Kim and I'm, I'm not, uh, I I'm not I I'm serious this I'm serious when I ask you this question I'm uh, they, do animals have any beliefs like we have religious beliefs do they have any belief uh, do they have any belief on what happens to them when they they pass do they believe in a heaven do they believe in a hereafter
3: So that's a great question. It's not quite the same. It's not like they have their different religious sects mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's more of they understand that the soul never dies. So the when the physical form ends, mm-hmm. then our soul goes across the veil, across the rainbow bridge, right. heaven, uh-huh. whatever you would like to call it. It goes there. And then when it's ready it'll pick a new physical form and come back. And sometimes they come back as something different. So it could be a cat comes back as a dog, a dog comes back as a cat, Uh or they will switch and they'll be a human, come back as a dog or vice versa. It it depends on that particular soul's contract, so to speak. Um, It's a great way to assimilate it. Uh, what it is that they're meant to do. Now, I do tell people, especially that have lost pets recently, Mm -hmm. you can ask them to come back. And most, most, I haven't had one animal say no. Uh, It's just when the human's ready, you say, okay, I want you to come back, pick a new physical form, and then you create a sign that only you two will know that, and then you'll realize that it's that same animal. So, for example, uh, one of the books that I studied with her name is Marta Williams, and her book is called Learning Their Language. Yeah,
2: I've had Marta she on talks the show.
3: About, yeah. Oh, great. Uh, she talks about her dog, Birdie. Yes. was a, a, Yorkshire a black terrier? lab that passed. What's
2: that? No, I, I was thinking about someone else who has a, a who's done a number of books on her Yorkshire Terrier, her Yorkie.
4: Oh, okay.
3: And I,
2: but I remember Marta, yes.
3: Yeah, she had a a black lad named Birdie Mm -hmm. that had passed, but right before Birdie passed, she jumped up on Marta's shoulders and licked her face, and the dog had never done that before. Marta was like, well, that was kind of strange, and just wrote it off. Well, time goes by, I can't remember how much it was, Um, and she gets a new puppy. Guess what the puppy does? The puppy jumps up on her shoulders and licks her face, and Marta's like, what is going on? And you know, why is this dog doing this? And it happened for several weeks. And Marty's just like, what? You know, I'm not encouraging this. Why is this dog doing this? And then, boom, it hits her. All of a sudden, ah, are you birdie? And uh, as soon as she acknowledged that, the puppy stopped doing the behavior. Son of a gun. Yep. And, in fact, my, one of my dogs um, was the cat that I grew up with. So my, my parents had picked up uh, a Berman. Mm-hmm. In New Mexico, when my mom was pregnant with me, and that cat lived to be seventeen years old uh was a major part of the family um he had lots of personality uh we would pick up on, we would pick on each other um, right. he would get he would get really grumpy <laughs> uh-huh. and and stuff but he was i mean he was great great i mean he really was my mom's cat but um you know I loved him just as much and, and the dog that I have now is actually after I read Marta's book, I was like, "Oh, because she said that you can, uh, you can ask your animals and stuff it's like, mm-hmm. are are they from you know your past?" And when I asked him, he said he told me he was Mittens—that was the name of our our cat when I was growing up. And so I asked him, I said, "Well, why didn't you go to my mom?" And he said, "Because she's not ready yet, and she's not. They haven't had an animal since twenty years."
2: My goodness. What is yeah. the what is the funniest thing that an animal has ever said to you?
3: One of my horses was asking me why I was yelling at the dog all the time.
2: <laughs> why you were yelling at the With dog the... all the time?
3: Yep. Because <laughs> my other dog. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I am. I'm yelling at him all the time because he's, he's a bit ADD. And um, he's a border collie <laughs> cattle dog, so that explains why he's also obsessive-compulsive. And he's always getting in trouble. So when he was younger, he was mm-hmm. worse. And I would take him to the barn with me, and it's like, it was like a little kid that's just running around being crazy and constantly getting into trouble. Like, he prefers negative attention as, as to a positive attention, because any attention is better than no attention. So my horse asked me, he's like, why are you yelling at dog? <laughs> and it just it came out of nowhere, and I was like, I'm looking around, I'm like, did you just ask me that? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So I explained. I had another horse for a client. She'd had three veterinarians out. Couldn't figure out why this horse was in pain. This horse was in a lot of pain. It, to the point where he was getting dangerous, and his and his person was very afraid. And... So the first thing that he told me was these vets are stupid, <laughs> and I just I was like, okay, <laughs> well, and I couldn't help but laugh. And it's like exactly right. Just like all right, well, tell me what's going on. And and he had the beginnings of what's called kissing spines. So this is where the vertebrae start rubbing against each other, and it's extremely painful. Yeah. And she uh she'd had a fourth vet out that afternoon and that vet confirmed what the horse had told me. So, um uh, I didn't know that it was kissing spines, but I knew that he had pain in, in his back, like where the saddle would be, so right behind the withers. And and then that's when the vet um confirmed that he had kissing spines. So it was and finally, you know, it's like everybody I mean, I could feel the horse just had a sigh of because she called me back, she told me what was going on and, like you know finally we're getting to the bottom of this and figuring figuring stuff out so like i said they i can tell you know when i start talking with them mm-hmm. they have their little personalities come out and some of them are rather humorous
2: now do you have to be in front of the animal to communicate with the animal or can you do it long distance
3: i can do it long distance how does, and,
2: how does that um, work kimmy
4: yep
3: how, how do you so, do that? the the best way the easiest way and, and I teach this in the book as well, because, again, anybody can do this. I just need a photo. A photo is really helpful um, so I can connect with the right dog I need the, uh, or cat or whatever animal it is. I need the name of the mm-hmm. animal, the animal's location. So if it's, you know, Hamilton, Ontario, or if it's New York, New York, or if it's Sydney, Australia. I just, I'm just making sure I'm like, going to the right area and... That way, if it's a common name, like Rover or Max or something like that, that I'm not connecting with, you know, someone over in the U.K. Or, or something like that, but I'm getting the right animal. And then the list of questions uh, that the person has has for the animal. Uh, I can also do it without a photo. It's a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. but if the person just starts to describe the animal to me, uh, I can do that as well. I've actually done many radio interviews where... Callers have called in and I answer questions for them over the phone, basically. And I've never met them or their animal before, and I obviously don't have a picture because we're just doing it live, real time. Um, But it's it's helpful to have a picture. And like I said, anyone can do this. So you know, in the beginning, when I was first doing it on a professional level, I've been doing this for 36 years. Uh, but I didn't go professional until 2010, I would have to go into my closet and close my door and look at the photo because I had to make sure that, one, my animals couldn't get to me, and, two, I couldn't hear the phone or have any other distractions uh, so that I could get real quiet and get into that meditative state and then connect with animal. But now I travel around, I do pet expos, uh, just like the psychic readings. I'll do a dollar a minute and... People come up and, you know, oftentimes at the pet expos, they have their their pet with them, especially if it's a dog. Um, Or the cat people have the picture of their cat on their phone, Mm -hmm. and things like that, and then just tap into them. And away we go, start answering questions.
2: Here's a question I'd like you to answer. When you're talking to the animals, do they ever lie to you? No. No way?
3: They don't. They're very, they're 100% honest now. The caveat is, did you ask the right question? Ah. So if your question wasn't clear or specific, then you could think you're getting a false answer, but you just didn't ask the right question.
2: That makes sense. Can you help an animal that is getting ready to cross over?
4: Yes,
3: absolutely. Oftentimes they'll want to be at home, Mm-hmm. They wanna be with their family. They want to be on their bed or blanket or whatever their like favorite safe place to be is sometimes a toy is there, sometimes another you know pet in the family is there um and that's typically what they'll ask for if it's if it's a larger animal like livestock, horses, mm-hmm. you know they're not gonna be in the house, but <laughs> they'll they'll be in their favorite spot in the pasture or. You know, if they're really comfortable in their stall and and they might want some of their friends around and, and things like that. And most of the time the human knows and it's usually the human that wants to hold on and doesn't want to let them go. So what we work on, again, is a compromise is saying, okay, let's create a sign. So, you know, whatever it may be that if it's a horse that they... Go to that particular area of the pasture mm-hmm. and lay down. Uh, if it's if it's a dog, you know they do a particular behavior that's not that's a little out of the ordinary. They like go sit in a corner of the of the room that they are never really in, or something like that. And that's your cue that says they're done. They're ready. They're ready. To cross over, and and they don't have the same fear or sense or anything that we humans do, because they know they know that the soul crosses over, and and that they're fine, and it's just the physical body that's dying.
2: In all your experience and traveling around, uh, going to these different pet expos that you go to, and and talking to the other pet professionals that are out there, have you ever heard of a hospice for animals? Uh,
3: let's see. The sound's a
2: little bit... I think there's very few. Yeah. But... I, I, no, I've, I've never heard of one. And, and, you know, talking to you and listening to you and, and, and hearing how caring you are and... This would be, an, uh, in my opinion, something that many pet owners would love it is a place where they're aging animals, where they, you know, just like we do with people. If there's something that needs to be done or if a person is is, is uh, to a certain point and, they, you know, they're getting ready for that transition, they, they go to hospice. And uh, I was just wondering if there had been any for animals.
3: Hmm. Well to no, uh, I think there I know that there's like retirement homes for horses,
2: mm-hmm.
3: so there's that, but it's not necessarily hospice yeah. per se I think the difference is, and this may not be exactly what you're asking me, but the the, the difference is, is that when when the animal is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Or we realize that the animal's quality of life is relatively poor. We help them let go. Yeah. Whereas with humans, we tend to expand their life as long as possible, and and oftentimes they're you know that that person is pretty miserable. You know, we don't believe in putting a person down. Um, and I personally, well, I think the... that we need to reassess that.
2: Well, I, I think that's starting to happen with the uh, with the the way that society is looking at, you know, uh, assisted assisted uh, suicides, you know. Right. So, you know, who knows, you know. But anyway, it's um, it's an amazing thing that you do, and I-, I wish there were more people like you doing the work you do to help these, these beautiful creatures. And you see, I-, I don't believe that on the scale of evolution, if I can use that word here, that we are on top of the animal kingdom. I think that they're on top of us, because if we were to take examples from animals, I think the human race would be a lot better.
3: Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And I think that horses, well, all animals, but if we can learn how to have compassion and, and work towards mm-hmm. that unconditional love for our fellow, fellow human beings, the world would be a very different place. And what I'm saying about the horses is, okay, they were quote tools for us. They helped us fight wars. They helped us explore new worlds, create new civilizations. But that era is over. They are now teaching us how to be humans, like yeah. really humans, not little robots that, you know, can't think for themselves and mm-hmm. just kind of do their drone work and, and things like that. It's, it's, it's getting back in touch with our feelings and, and our emotions, because right? that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. Um, your emotions are, are telling you something that's going on. They're telling you that... Why are you angry? You're angry because somebody crossed a boundary line for you. Well, what boundary line was that? You know
2: Kim, why? Kim, I hate to stop you in mid-breath, honey, but we've got no, to take okay. our commercial break. Please stand by. Kim Baker's our guest. www.kimbakeranimalcommunicator.com. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. nation, my guest this hour has been a fascinating young lady. Her name is Kim Baker. She's the author of How a uh, Quick How to Guide for Learning to Talk to Animals. Quick How to Guide for Learning to Talk with Animals. Her website is www.kimbakeranimalcommunicator.com. Kim, as I was telling you during the break, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I love Thanks people. Thanks for having me. I love people who love animals. I I really do, and and I love what you do, and I, you know, my hat is off to you. What is the message, Kim, that you would like to get across to the Exo Nation tonight?
3: Be more patient. Don't expect that your animals are going to change overnight. Mm -hmm. And, yes, you can talk to your animals, too. And it doesn't take much. You're already doing it. So, when you walk by that water bowl and you're like, "Oh right, I gotta fill the water bowl." That was not you remembering to fill the water bowl. That was your animal telling you, "Hey, I'm out of water. Fill my water bowl, please." yeah so it's happening it's happening now and if if your listeners want to purchase my book um off the website or through Amazon, uh if you go through Amazon, just send me an email with your receipt and mention that you heard about me through your show, and I have a free meditation for anybody that
2: uh, purchases the book. You know, Kim, as we get closer to the Christmas season, I like to remind listeners that if they're planning on getting a pet for Christmas, to give it a serious thought, very serious thought, because you're not bringing a pet into the house. You're actually bringing another member into your family. And you have to make sure that, number one, you can afford the care that this little animal will incur veterinarian care, training, and as well as proper food, diet, nutrition. There's a lot that goes into it, and, and the patience and the time that it takes to be with a little animal. You know, if you're if you if you're going to be just bringing an animal in because it's the Christmas season, and then as the little puppy or kitten grows into a full-grown animal, you say, geez, you know, I... nah." let's bring the animal to the pound or this isn't fair to the animal. So please, no matter if it's a guinea pig, a rabbit, a white mouse, a Shetland pony, a dog, a cat, please give it a lot of thought because you're not only affecting your life, but you're also affecting the life of this little little animal that knows nothing but unconditional love.
3: Absolutely. So... Think about why you want an animal mm-hmm. and pick the animal that's best suited for you. So if, if you're gone all the time, you work 10 hours a day, whatever the, or you travel a lot, don't get a border collie and no. stick the border collie in, a, in an apartment. You both will be very, very unhappy. And oftentimes we say this a lot with horses, um, but I think it's true with any animal. The, the purchase price, the adoption fee, whatever it is, that is the cheapest yeah. part of the animal. It's Definitely. like you mentioned, the veterinary care, the food, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. And when and, and you're right, for Christmas and stuff coming up, if you're going to bring a new member, really think about what type of member you want to introduce into the family and give that new member time to assimilate into your family.
2: Kim, I Remember, agree.
4: it's six weeks to six months. Yeah.
2: Kim, great talking to you tonight. I wish you continued success. I'd love to have you back on in the future because I believe that, You, my dear friend, have a very important message to share with the world.
3: Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show and would love to be back.
2: Kim, take care of yourself, and uh, once again, congratulations on your book. Be safe, and I look forward to the next time you join us here in the Exxon.
3: Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it.
2: Bye-bye, Kim. Exonation. Nation Kim Baker has been our guest this hour. For more information on Kim, you can go to her website at www.kimbakeranimalcommunicator.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
0: Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and roles for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out.